All right. We're ready. I told you, we stay ready. We stay, that's right. Yeah, also there's a flood watch. Oh. Hello, I'm Kimberly Adams, not under a flood watch here in Washington, (laughs) D.C., but welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense, although we can't make sense of the weather. No, no, we cannot. I'm Kyle Rizal. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday. It's your standard uh, news fix, make me smile kind of day. So uh, let's get to it. Why don't you go first? Although we have to acknowledge how we've had such a reversal of weather trends because it was something like 80 degrees here in D.C. today. And what was it in California? Well, so it is right now at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 42 degrees at my house. Uh, There is snow on the mountains, low down on the mountains, like at 2,000 feet, 2,500 feet, which is a lot, which is low. And there's going to be more tonight. And it's just, it's wild. It is wild. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll start with my news fix, which uh, I guess I can tangentially relate to cold weather and wanting to kind of hunker down. Uh, It's a piece in the Scientific American, and I love the headline, Let Teenagers Sleep. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that there is decades, there is so much research showing that teenagers need more sleep than they're getting, and they need more sleep at different times than they're getting it, that their circadian rhythms like reset once they enter their teenage years and they need to push back the school the school start times to accommodate what is healthy for these kids. And school districts all over the country just aren't, either because of budget issues or transportation issues or because it messes with the schedule of parents who have to handle pickup and drop off. Mm. But We have all of this research showing that these kids need to get more sleep than they are, that the school day needs to start later, and we're not doing it. And it's causing really bad health effects for some of these teenagers. Um, I'm trying to see. um, I was looking earlier at this. The kids are telling us that they need more sleep. And survey after survey, they say when school starts later, they are not as tired all day. They tend to get to school on time, and they're less likely to be nagged to get out of bed. They tell us that their sleep time, that as their sleep time decreases, their use of tobacco and drugs increases, including drugs that could help them stay awake. They tell us that getting one less hour of sleep a day leaves them feeling hopeless and sometimes suicidal. Research has shown that suicide risk in children increases during the school year and sleep deprivation could be a contributing factor. This research has been around for so long, and mm-hmm. I get all of the reasons why school districts and parents and, and educators keep the schedule the way it is, but it's, you know, empirically harming children. So it's a really interesting piece in the Scientific American. I'd recommend anybody, especially any parents of teenagers, have a look. Yeah, for sure. I'll tell you, it was it was a game changer in my house when our school district was part of a pilot program. That's Bonsai. I apologize for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, was part of a pilot program doing late start for uh, for high school kids. It wasn't uh, down at the elementary school yet, but it was it was a game changer for I think sons number two and three. I think one was already gone by then. You know, they start at like eight forty now, which is amazing. I mean, look, they're still probably not getting enough sleep, but. They're getting more sleep than they did, and it's a big deal. And I, I'm kind of amazed that it took this long. I'm kind of amazed. Wait, sorry, childless person speaking here. What time were they starting before? 
Uh, I want to say 7.45-ish, which means, you know, they're up at like 6.45, 6.30 in the morning. You know, the older they got and they could drive themselves to school, they rolled out within nanoseconds of having to walk out the door, obviously. But um, I was about to say, because yeah. then they're driving groggy. That's another right, risk. Right, 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 right. What, right. what difference did you notice once they were getting more sleep? Uh, generally less crankiness, less sullen teenagerness. I mean, look, my kids are pretty smart. They take after their mother and, and they get good grades just cause they get good grades, but they were just more regular people and you could see it. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Hmm. It was great. Okay. It was great. All right. Well, great. there's some evidence right there. All right. There what you is Anecdotal. yours? All right. So uh, I've got two, one of which uh, is super interesting and actually great, and the other one of which is not great, and I'll go with the not great one first. The political debates, presidential debates are starting. They start in August with the Republican candidates in Milwaukee. I just want you to put that on your calendar. For my money, it's a little too soon. I'm just saying we're going to have a year plus of that. It's a lot. That's it. Just, you know, calendar, uh, entry. calendar entry. I mean... So this is also it's where just, they're supposed to have their convention, right? Yes, it is. Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin. In Milwaukee. And when they first announced Milwaukee as the convention site, they were very pointed at, at highlighting that Clinton, Hillary Clinton didn't go to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. Was it Wisconsin or Michigan in, in that the, she didn't go to? Uh, well, she didn't go to either one enough, right? But it yeah, was 2016 right. in that election. Yeah. Yeah, and and it was sort of like a dig at that and that they're investing in these places that, you know, the narrative is that the Democrats are avoiding or not paying enough attention to. And Mm -hmm. so it's fascinating to hear them announcing a debate. I'm guessing this is a Mm -hmm. primary debate. Yeah, got to be, right? Got to be. And it's going to be the early field, right? I mean, who knows who's going to be in in August, but it's going to be Nikki Haley. Uh, Vivek, what's his name? And Trump, right? And will DeSantis be in by then? I don't know. I don't know. And I should point out that, you know, the Republican National Convention and Republican National Committee and and the GOP in general um, was less than a game to participate in Mm -hmm. uh, debates in the last round of presidential elections, although I suppose that's more of a point of the campaign than the, the party itself. But... It will be interesting to see if they are willing to do the uh, actual debates once we have nominees, because this was a big Mm. thing that happened in the midterms was that a lot of the candidates just refused to do debates. They saw zero purpose in it in terms of it doesn't boost voter turnout for their base. It only has the potential to make them look bad, usually, and they don't necessarily feel a sense of accountability to any particular audience that is served by the debates. They just don't do it. And I'll be very interested to see if they do it in the uh, 2024 presidential election. Totally. What's your other one? Super interesting to see. So the other one is uh, that in in what can only be called a surprise move, and I'll explain why in a minute, um, the White House is expected to, has said, it is going to nominate uh, an Indian-born American to be the president of the World Bank. Now, the World Bank uh, and the International Monetary Fund are the, the the twins of international development and international financial stability. The way it usually works is that the IMF chief is picked by the Europeans and the World Bank chief is picked by the Americans. David Malpass, the Trump uh, administration's uh, candidate, is stepping down uh, early. He's stepping down a year early in June. And the Biden administration said today it's going to nominate the former CEO of MasterCard. His name is A.J. Banga. 
um, to replace David Malpass. Now, Malpass got in trouble uh, a couple of months ago for revealing himself to be a, a climate skeptic, I guess is probably the kindest way to say that. Um, hmm. And the handwriting was kind of on the wall that the Biden administration was not pleased with that. He was a Trump nominee, as I said. A.J. Banga now is uh, a person of color. He's a foreign-born American. Uh, both of those will be firsts for American nominees to the World Bank at a time when the World Bank is under pressure to increasingly acknowledge the struggles and the challenges that developing economies are facing as uh, the pandemic wanes and as the global economy has changed. And I think that's a really interesting and progressive move from the White House. That's so fascinating because, and I'm saying this fully acknowledging that social media communities are bubbles within themselves, that Mm -hmm. is a completely different narrative than what I've been seeing online about this today, which is sort of chastising the Biden administration for picking someone so deeply entrenched in corporate America and sort of the profit-driven global financial system like MasterCard and these other big corporate financial institutions to run an organization that is supposed to help the developing world, given that some of these major financial institutions often either participate in or perpetuate global economic inequality. And so it's just such an example of how, depending on what you choose to latch on to in someone's biography, you can tell completely different stories about who they are and what it represents. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'll be very interesting, interested to see how the Biden administration talks about this. And um, did, they, did they say anything in the announcement about um, why they made the selection they did? Well, uh, uh, pointing out the things that I mentioned, right? I'll, I'll read you, actually, mm-hmm. uh, the words of the announcement. Hang on. Uh, mm-hmm. Biden sent a statement today. Bunga has spent more than three decades building and managing successful global companies that create jobs and bring investment to developing economies and guiding organizations through periods of fundamental change. Yeah. So. And you know, it's all of those things can be true at the same time. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So there you go. All right. Charlton. So um, since we're I'll just talking go first, because mine is, oh, yeah. yeah, no, go ahead. you go ahead, go ahead if you want to. Okay, since we're talking about the global stage, I'll, I'll go first with one of mine, and then I have a more funny, a funnier one later. Uh, so this one is a bit serious, but it still made me smile, which is news that Brittany Griner, who mm-hmm. was detained for 10 months in Russia, has, uh, as according to ESPN, fulfilled the promise she made to play for the Phoenix Mercury again in the 2023 season. She is a free agent, but signed a one-year contract with the Mercury on Saturday and will return to the team that drafted her and, um, you know, said she promised when she came back that she was going to play for Mercury because they supported her so much when she was being detained. I will say that the one-year contract is listed in ESPN as $165,100 for a year in a professional national basketball league, which is definitely less than the men often get. Which which is why she wound up in Russia in the first place. Which is why she wound up in Russia in the first place. But nevertheless, she's going back to Phoenix. I thought that was nice. Mm -hmm. No, I think it's nice. I think it's cool. I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, You got another one? Or you want me to go? Or what do you want to do? 
Why don't you go and I'll then I'll do mine, which is I, I will just read you the headline in. I, I would just read you the headline in the Sky and Telescope article. It calls itself the Essential Guide to Astronomy, and it goes like this. An unusual stellar streak emerging from a distant galaxy might be a sign of a runaway supermassive black hole, scientists suggest. <laughs> I, I just, I just, we've got a runaway black hole and it's supermassive. Uh, okay, fine. That's Come not and get a problem. Us. Come and get us. Come and get us. That's all I got. Please it just say made more, me think Kai. of the sweet meteor of death. Oh no! We'll put the article on the on the uh, on the page. I just I think it's just you know. Well, oh, I God. mean, is it Scientists coming to eat our galaxy one alive? Such runaway supermassive black hole. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's a study that's going to appear in the Astrophysical Journal Letters. There clues a Hubble Space Telescope image on which a narrow streak of stars is emerging from a distant galaxy. I don't know. I you know. I don't know. <laughs> just you know. Sip that All with your morning right, coffee I, or something. I guess if that's how we go down, there are worse ways to go. I'm, I'm okay. Uh, so my last one is a very DC story. Anybody who hasn't spent much time in the city, I, I should tell you that we have a lot of Type A folks running around here. People <laughs> like to present themselves as very smart, very together, knowing what's up, and often an a very performative way. And that is, and, and I should say that DC has a very transient population. I wouldn't say that the people who are actually from here are as bad at this as much as the people who come here to prove something about themselves. But all of that said, there is a story in WTOP News, which is the local talk radio uh, channel here. Headline, study calls DC residents wordle streaks into question. Oh my God. There was a study by a website called Word Finder that helps people find words that are like stuck on the tip of their tongues for like Scrabble or Wordle. And the study used Google Trends and traffic on Word Finder to figure out who was sort of relying on the app uh, on the website the most to help them out with Wordle. No way. The study. The study examined all 50 states and the nation's capital. As it happens, D.C. Wordle players are just about twice as likely to seek Wordle help compared to the nationwide average calculated by the study. According to WordFinder, people in D.C. are almost 84% above the national average for cheating. That's pretty funny, actually. That's pretty funny. So when you see people posting their Wordle scores... I Just be like mindful, that. they might be cheaters. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you need to know, people? What else do you need to know? That's all I'm saying. Oh all my gosh. I am saying. Oh my lord. That's do you play? DC. That's a very decent. I do not. It's my entire well, not my entire thing. family. Ha- half the family plays. So two of the kids and my wife play every day. And they're they're kind of competitive about it, right? They've got a, a mm-hmm. text chain going about who's winning and this and that. I'm out. Yeah, I don't I don't have time for that. I'm just glad we've moved past the phase where people were posting those little graphics uh, with the uh, little are, squares oh, they, of pe- how still long are. they do. People still <sighs> are. I, and I wound up muting it on Twitter, which saved my sanity. Wait, you can just mute ones that have can, those you, graphics you, you, in it? or you, No, you can mute the word Wordle. Oh. And that takes care of it. Does that still work in the new Twitter? It does. Although for some reason, for some reason, <laughs> it works for everybody except Nova Safo. 
I get Nova's Wordle posts every single day, and I don't know if he's doing something different. Nova, damn you. Um, yeah, it's true. I, I, I get Nova stuff every day, and I'm like, all right, well, whatever, if it's only one, because there's a million of them out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Yep. Yep, All right. Yep, yep. Well, that's it for us today. Tomorrow, I'm going to be back with Sabri. And I don't think he plays Wordle either, but uh, we'll be joining each other for Economics on Tap along with the rest of y'all. We are at 630 Eastern, 330 Pacific. There are going to be drinks, news, and we are going to play a round of half full, half empty. And I'm going to say, um, yeah, not this week, but next week, I think I want to try like once a month on Economics on Tap to do a mocktail day. So not this week, but maybe like the first Friday or something. I'm, I'm testing it out. We'll see. All right. We'll see how All that right. goes. That's planned. Um, and That's I know planned. that we're still not quite calling it mocktails, but whatever. Anyway, I'm looking what? for y'all's recipes. We're never gonna figure out something we like. You, 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 you. I think each of us has to eat to each his own, right? And I or her own. I will call them non-alcoholic cocktails, non-alks, okay. as I learned this week when I did an interview. Ooh, and you're gonna call them. I what, heard that story. That was great. Or whatever. Yeah. So you're gonna you can you can call them. I don't. What was your s- 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 cleverage? So somebody recommended cleverage. Yeah. I still. Yeah. I, I think it's I clever, I but I don't know that I want to say it out loud in public, <laughs> That's right. um, That's right. but it's cute and I, I do like it. But anyway, Points so send me your mock rec- recommendations. I will not be making them tomorrow because I'm here in the studio for a variety of reasons, but maybe next week. And uh, yeah, so 630 Eastern, 330 Pacific. Till then, give us uh, give us a little shout out. With your thoughts, comments, questions, we will take them all. Five zero eight, you be smart. Make me smart at marketplace.org. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's episode was engineered by Charlton Thorpe, and our intern is Antonio Barreras. Ellen Rolfes writes our newsletter. Marissa Cabrera is our acting senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital and on demand here at Marketplace Productions. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine... I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I was spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.